So I was doing all this. No one in my company knew what I was doing. I had it all hidden in the closet. So on my lunch hour, I go in the elevator with like a big garbage bag. And then by the time I got to the first floor, I was already in my costume. So the doors open. I spring out onto Fifth Avenue, walk up. I look I looked more like a Ghostbuster, I think, than anything else, really. So I was walking on Fifth Avenue looking like a Ghostbuster. It was the middle of the summer. And I get to the place where the event was supposed to be, and it was not there. And there was a big sign that said, oh, due to some construction, the event for British Airways was moved to Columbus Circle. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Stephen Pelicano, a hospitality entrepreneur in the Catskills focused on building simple glamping structures with everything that you need and nothing that you don't for an unforgettable camping experience. Stephen is a graphic designer by trade and fell in love with travel and hospitality after winning not one, but two free round trip tickets to Europe on British Airways as a part of a giveaway they were running back in the late 90s to promote the Concorde. This trip abroad would inspire Stephen to spend the next decade living, working, and traveling across Europe. And it was during this time abroad where Stephen had his first encounter with Airbnb. And while he couldn't have known it at the time, this experience would ultimately inspire him to start a glamping hospitality business about a decade later in the Catskill Mountains in New York. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Stephen. All right, Stephen, we are live. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Zach. How are you? I am doing great now that I'm chatting with you. It's been, I, I feel like we know each other because we've like emailed a lot, but we've never actually spoken. Um, and I'm just thrilled to, to have this opportunity to, to, to hear your story. And uh, I, I want to just dive into it because I think we're, there's a lot that I want to cover in, in our time together. But you and your wife have built a glamping resort in the Catskills, but the journey to how you got to where you are today actually starts with you like winning a trip to, to Europe or something while you were working as a designer in, in New York City. So I, I just I, I want to I want you to take us back to the beginning of, of that story and and then fill in the gaps. How do we go from you winning this trip to you starting this this glamping resort. Sure. Okay. We have to go back way back to 1998. I was just three years out of school. I graduated with a degree in, in graphic arts. I was working in Manhattan in a small graphic uh, design firm. And um, on the radio, I heard that British Airways was going to be holding a contest, a nationwide contest. They were stopping in some major cities. And it was the, it was the 20th anniversary of the Concorde. Okay. So it was based around the Concorde. And the premise of their, their contest was if you came to their event dressed, anybody was in New York City at, at this time maybe heard about it. But um, again, it was a long time ago. Uh, anybody who came to the event dressed in a costume that represented something having to do with space travel had a chance to win uh, a flight. Well, the grand prize was a flight on the Concorde. And wow. then there was like 50 other 
second place prizes. This was a regular trip to London on a regular airplane. <laughs> so um, I was sitting there in my little office thinking, oh, OK, that's just going to be down the street from from where I work. I was right off Fifth Avenue. So uh, I was thinking, what would be a good what would be a good um, a good costume that would, you know, relate to British Airways and and the Concorde and everything. So I came up with the idea of of a James Bond costume. Uh, inspired by the the movie Moonraker, okay, where it takes place in space. Yes. So what I did was I went down to there was a like a local Army Navy store nearby. I bought like a jumpsuit, something like Tom Cruise would wear in Top Gun. <laughs> and on the computer, I made all these little patches and stuff like 007 and the British flag on one sleeve. And then to top it all off, I made something like a backpack, a space backpack, kind of something like Boba Fett wears in the Star Wars films. <laughs> and um, and on my lunch hour, I planned to go down to the event. It was it was right by the library there on 35th or 36th Street. And so I was doing all this. No one in my company knew what I was doing. I had it all <laughs> hidden in the closet. So on my lunch hour, I go in the elevator with like a big garbage bag. And then by the time I got to the first floor, I was already in my costume. So the doors open. I spring out onto Fifth Avenue, walk up. I look I looked more like a Ghostbuster, I think, than anything else, really. So I was walking <laughs> on Fifth Avenue, looking like a Ghostbuster. It was the middle of the summer. And I get to the place where the event was supposed to be, and it was not there. And there was a big sign that said, oh, due to some construction, the event for British Airways was moved to Columbus Circle. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So what, what am I going to do? So and, and sorry, how, I went how, this far. How far is that? Like, like give it I, I'm not familiar. Like, how far is where you were to, to Columbus Circle? Um, Probably like 45 blocks. Oh, my gosh. OK, wow. Jeez. OK, yeah. I, I wanted to give that context to the listeners. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I held a taxi. So this was before Uber. So I jumped in a regular taxi cab, said where I wanted to go, show up at the event. And uh, it was full of people, full of people in costumes. And I, you get up and you make a little presentation of who you are and how you came up with the idea. So anyway, I was one of the 50 winners of this contest, which was two <laughs> round trip tickets to Europe. Wow. So I sat on these tickets for one year. Um, and then the following year, so 1999, I went to Europe for a two week backpacking trip. And I started out in London, then a backpack to Paris. Prague and then Amsterdam and then back to London to fly home. I had such a great time on those two weeks. When I got back to New York, I said, I got to go back. <laughs> so another year later, I quit my job, sold my car, uh, gave up my apartment, told my parents I was going to try to go live and see what happens. So in 2000, I left. I actually went to Prague because that was the most interesting and coolest place I had ever seen. Um, and ended up living in Prague for the next nine years. And then three years, the last three years, so it was a total of 12, I was in Turkey. But during that whole time, I got to visit like 23 countries. Uh, I backpack, had all kinds of crazy jobs um, in the travel industry while I was there. So that was kind of from 2000 all the way to 2012. So wow. way before any of the glamping things got got going wow wow and i think there's a just slight like internet hiccupy stuff happening but but i i'll just fill in a little bit of context so you 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 end up going back to prague you uh it's your favorite city you end up you said working in in travel so you, you got a couple jobs in the, in the travel industry what what were a couple of those jobs well the first job was teaching english which was a lot of 
what expats do over there. Very yeah. easy to do. You make pretty good money, don't work a lot of hours. So that was kind of fun. And then after about a year, year and a half, I fell into, I was hired by a British travel agency that was specializing in bachelor parties. <laughs> so they were they were welcoming British travelers from, from England to come to Prague. And it was like that, it was the hip city at this time. This was like 2003. So but prior to that, it was Amsterdam, and then Prague became the the, the new hit city for for, for, the, for the Brits. Okay, okay. So I ended up doing that for five years. I was the tour manager of this little company that just started out. By the time I finished, they franchised, and they were sending me to different countries. So like the next one was in Estonia, wow. and then Slovakia, and then Germany, and it just went on and on and on. So I was I was consulting with the uh, the new managers or owners of each new city. And, but then after five years, I kind of was too much. So I went back to teaching for a little bit. And then when I actually got kicked out of Prague, but that's another story. <laughs> so when I got kicked out of Prague, I had to go somewhere outside of the European Union. So I ended up in, in Ankara, Turkey for my last three years, wow. which is where I first came across Airbnb. Really? In 2010. 2010. Um, so sorry, sorry. Why, 2010. But why Turkey? Did you, did you have a job lined up there? Or no, you just it was just outside of the, EU, the 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 EU and it was close enough, but still like abroad or what? Yeah, well, the, I mean, I had two choices. I could either come back to the states, which I wasn't really ready to do. I was having too much fun, but I did have to leave all European Union countries. It had something to do with visas and 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 living uh, residence visas, which I never really obtained, even though I tried. So <laughs> I had to go somewhere outside of the EU if I wanted to stay living and working. Okay. So Turkey, I knew someone from there. I'd met someone from there. So they kind of helped me out. And Turkey was very, very welcoming, not like anything like the European countries. Within a couple of weeks, I had a, a residency permit. I had a work permit. I was totally legal. The university provided me with a place to live. Wow. So I had a really nice setup there. And yeah, that was the last three years, which I, I went back into teaching. Wow. So okay. I did that. And then 2012 is when I came back to the States. But when I was in Turkey was when I initially first heard of and learned of Airbnb. Wow. I believe Airbnb took off first overseas before it became super popular here in the States. Yeah. So what I used to do is I used to travel whenever I could almost every weekend from Ankara to Istanbul, because Istanbul was the big happening city. Ankara was a little bit more lo low keyed. So, um, yeah, someone told me there's this thing called Airbnb. People rent out their rooms. So I went to some guy's really nice apartment in Istanbul and paid like 20 bucks for the night. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so... And it was cool because he could say, oh, this is how you ride the, the metro. And this is, you know, someone to give you some feedback because I had never been there really the first time. So that's when I first heard about Airbnb. And then I did that probably another year, like every time I traveled either to Istanbul or another Turkish city. Wow. Um, so when I came back to the States and I had an empty house that I wasn't really doing much with. So I thought, well, let me put my primary house on Airbnb and and that's kind of how I got first started in as a STR wow. host. Wow. You have such an awesome story, uh, Stephen. And what I love about it is that I love like the there's hustle involved. There's this like 
entrepreneurial like bug that that has bitten you of wanting to travel and try these new things and you know dress up in this you know uh, uh, ghostbuster like costume to try to win this contest right like there, there's 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 that component to you there's this you know uh just just like worldliness of like really wanting to understand culture and how different things work um you, you know you're clearly an early adopter of of traveling in a new way and to, to your point about airbnb launching first in in europe i wonder it, obviously you know it's an american company and it, it was launched in 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 the Bay Area to begin with, but but to mm-hmm. your point, the very first Airbnb I actually stayed in was was in Rome, um, and that was okay. maybe in 2013. Um, and so and and it was and like that's how we traveled all throughout Europe using Airbnb, and I had never used Airbnb in in the states before. And I wondered if it if it just had something to do with like like hostile culture and like this idea of like hostile culture being very prevalent in Europe, and therefore you know, renting a room or renting a, a place from an individual owner just seemed a little bit more more normal? Or do, do you have any other kind of reasons why you think it took off in, in, in Europe quicker than it did the States? I think I think you're on to it. I think it does have something to do with the, with the culture of European uh, countries and life. Um, something to do with hostels, yes, but I think it goes something more beyond that. Okay. Maybe because... Uh, housing is is not so easily available over, over overseas like we're used to here, and so a lot of people were accustomed to like either living with friends or living with other family, extended yeah. family, very extended nuclear families. And um, even when I was even when I first got out of when I first got out of college, I was renting a room in um, right just outside of New York City, and it was a I forget if the if the woman was Swedish or Finnish, and I remember she was she rented me uh, like a room in her basement, and I thought, oh, this is kind of weird. And she's like, oh no, this is very typical. You know, it's a very European thing. So yeah. it does have something to do with that. Their culture just was much more accustomed to that. Yeah. So it was something that the Americans had to sort of learn and get used to. But over there, it was like they're doing it anyway. Oh, we're just going to use this platform to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Alrighty, folks, here's the deal. I want to meet you all in person. All right. I, it's just, it's time. Thousands of you stream behind the stage every month, and I've only had the privilege of meeting a few of you in person. But we can change all of that in just a few weeks. Sarah and Annette from the Thanks for Visiting podcast are throwing TFVCon in Columbus, Ohio from September 24th through September 26th. And they've invited me to come and speak at their event on SEO strategy. It's going to be loads of fun with incredible speakers, awesome workshops, and unforgettable networking parties. You can register for the event at tfvcon.com and use the discount code BTS, BTS as in behind the stays, for $150 off your ticket. Also, send me a DM on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or on Twitter to let me know if you're coming. If enough of you are able to make it, I would love to plan like a happy hour or some sort of behind the stays meetup. So come meet me and some of your other favorite creators and experts in the short term rental space at TFECon this September, September 24th through 26th. It's a Sunday through a Tuesday. All the details can be found at TFV, TFVCon as in TFV as in thanks for visiting con.com. And be sure to use my discount code BTS at checkout for $150 off of your ticket. All right, friends, really, really, really hope to see you all there. All right, back to the show. So, okay, so you have this experience of, of, 
of Airbnb in in Turkey for the very first time, and then at at some point along this journey, you you meet your wife. Is that is that correct? Somewhat. So even though I was in Europe for twelve years, I actually didn't meet my wife while I was there. Okay. Okay. When, yeah, after twelve years, and I came back home, uh, I was single and I was living on my own and pretty lonely. So what else do we do when you when you're alone and lonely? <laughs> you jump on the internet and you try to meet people. So I actually met my wife from Ukraine. Wow. On the internet. Wow. And then once things got going, well, then I flew back over there like to meet her. Wow. So. Wow. Amazing. Okay. So so then you you guys meet um had you been to Ukraine before or like during your travels or was this the first time? I had not traveled to Ukraine while I was living in during that 12 year period. Okay. When I came back to the states, uh, maybe I need to give a little more details about why I was going to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, so tell us. What I learned, what I learned living in Europe was certain countries had, you know, people from different countries had different personalities and different, you know, different ways of looking at life and the the further east I I saw going like from, you know, Prague, Czech Republic, say Slovakia, Poland, and then you get into Ukraine and Russia. The further west, I'm sorry, east that you that you go, I found the 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 women to be more accommodating, uh, just more my speed, my style. So <laughs> even though I I really hadn't met any Ukrainian persons while I was living in in Czech, um, when I got back here and thought, well, you know, where am I gonna maybe maybe look? So I was purposefully trying to meet either women from Ukraine or Russia. Fascinating. And Ukraine was just a little less scary uh, <laughs> than Russia because I knew Russia, you still needed to have a visa. You had to apply for a visa to go there. And I heard a lot of kind of scary stories about Russia. So Ukraine seemed like a nice uh, in-between. So I had, I had <laughs> s- contacted some ladies and I went to Kiev first, my first trip. That was an independent trip. I went there, nothing really panned out. So I came back to the States continued searching on the internet. And then the next time, or when I actually ended up meeting my wife, she was from a city called Kharkiv, which is very, almost on the Russian border. Okay. So it was like wow. the second biggest city in Ukraine. So I went to Ukraine the second time to Kharkiv when I met her. And when I met her, I spent three weeks there. Uh, at the end of three weeks, I proposed, she accepted. I flew back to the States, did all the fiance visa paperwork, and then she was able to come here eight months later. Wow. And we've been married now 10 years. 10 coming years. Coming up to 10 years. Oh my gosh, Stephen. Wow. You were, okay, you were on a, you were a man on a mission. You were <laughs> curating uh, potential partners in very specific parts uh, and regions of the country. First trip out, didn't, didn't turn anything out, but second trip out, three weeks later, you're engaged. And a few weeks after that, she, she comes to live with the United States. That is... That is remarkable. Uh, not, nothing, nothing short of it. Um, I uh, talk about persistence, right? And and, yeah. <laughs> and also just knowing what you knowing what you guys want, uh, which is which is great. So okay, so you guys have this this super cool start to your relationship. And were were you still living in New York City at this time, or where 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 in the world were you living? Mm, okay, yeah. What I also didn't get to mention yet was I, I was born in, in the Bronx, grew up in the city. My dad worked in the city. My mom worked in the city. But when I was seven years old, they purchased a home in the Catskills. Okay. So about two and a half hours outside of New York City. 
And as a kid, my dad would bring us up here every weekend. So we had this little house on a little piece of property, but there was nothing else around. So it was all farmland on this beautiful mountaintop. So as a kid, I was sort of like the original like kid weekend warrior. So from age seven till through high school, I was always coming up to the Catskills with my family and enjoying nature and and driving mini bikes and jumping off roofs of barns into hay hay bales. <laughs> so I had this really nice up, upbringing of both having, you know, the exposure to the city life, but also the country life. Wow. So while I was in Europe, um, my dad had passed in 2008. So oh. when I came back in 2012, my mom didn't want to live in the house by herself. So mm. she got her own apartment nearby and I sort of inherited the house. So okay. that's why I had put it on Airbnb like around 2010 or 11, whenever I, or 12, when I had come back. And I had done that until I met my wife, which was 2012, but meeting her and her eventually coming here. So now we're into like 2013, 2014. So then I couldn't rent the house anymore. So Mm. I was a bit bummed about that. (laughs) And, um, but it always bugged me because I I knew how, how lucrative it was. And, and I just, it just, anyway, I couldn't figure out how to do anything else with that until come 2018, 2019, when um, I started hearing about this term glamping. And I'm mm. like, what is this thing glamping? I keep hearing glamping. Mm. So once I read it on the internet, what it was, I thought, oh, this is perfect. I know what to do. <laughs> I'll build little cabins on my property. We could still live in our house, yeah. but we could still rent the cabins. And as many cabins we build is like renting out a house each time. Wow. So that's how it got kicked off right around 2019, 2020 was was when the first cabin was was ready. And and, and okay. we started that. And just and just for context, so how how large was this property in the Catskills? From an acre. The property standpoint? is just four acres, okay. which is not very, very large. Okay. Okay. My next door neighbor who lives in an old, beautiful old Victorian type eighteen hundreds house with big red barns. She's like the fourth largest landowner in my town, and she has 230 acres. Wow, geez. But it's just farmland. Okay, yeah. So even though I'm only four acres, when you look from my from my property, you just see other mountains and yeah. other other farms. But so it feels still, it feels still, a lot so bigger. rural. It feels like you have the whole place to yourself. Yeah. So okay. So I want to go back to you hearing this term glamping. What? Where, where do you remember where you first heard the term or like how you first discovered it or did you go I don't, googling I, a I bunch don't of stuff okay okay so you don't remember how you first heard about it but what was it about the idea that was attractive to you was it simply like this is something that we could get up pretty quickly on on our property because we have the space or was there was there anything more interesting to you about this type of accommodation well Probably what had happened, I probably then looked at Airbnb and saw what other people were renting as glamping structures. Yeah. And they were, you know, bell tents and yurts and things like this and and little cabins. So I just thought, oh, all right, I I, I may not want to do tents because I know tents are very problematic. It wasn't something I wanted to get involved with. Yeah. Having done camping in my life in the past. But the idea of having like a little structure something that I could build that wasn't a tent that would last through the winter and not have to assemble it and disassemble it each season. So it was just more of, all right, let's, this is what glamping is. It, it, there's, there's no, like, it's not defined as one specific thing. Yeah. It could be many things. And as we see, as it progressed, it become, you know, anything 
anything you can think of, whether yeah. <laughs> it be UFOs and, and castles and, and, and domes. So I thought, let's just build a little simple cabin. Uh, we'll come up with some cute name and put nice things inside, like a king size bed and a, and a bathtub and, yeah. and put it on Airbnb. And that went live in 2020, which was the beginning of the pandemic, which was when all other Airbnbs were shut down yeah. and when all of the hotels were shut down. Yeah. So I had a line of people on my little dirt road wanting to rent this little cabin that I had built. And it was like a gold mine. I thought, well, finally, this is, this is, we're onto something. So wow. we're going to, we're going to go with it. So each year we added a cabin and now we're at four years after we have four cabins. The fifth one's on the way. Wow. And that's where we are. Wow. Wow. It, it's, it's a great story. And are you, did you build these yourself or like, did you know somebody to, who like helped you build them? Did you use plans? Like how did you, how did you know what you were doing? Yeah, something about me, Zach, is that I pretty much do everything that I physically possibly can do by myself. <laughs> like when it came to when it came to get filling it, doing the paperwork for my wife for like the fiance visa. Yeah. Like a lot of people I knew and 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 you know read about, they would hire a lawyer. Yeah. And I, I said, ah, I'm not gonna spend money on a lawyer. I could do it. So <laughs> I did all the paperwork. Oh my god. When it came to building the cabins, I said, I don't need to hire anybody. My dad was pretty handy. He, I, I watched him build a lot of like he fixed up the house that we had here in the Catskills. So I helped him. So I had some background in, in construction. And I figured I'll figure it out. So I built, I built two of, I built four. No, we have four now. Two of them I built. Two of them I did have help with because I wanted to kind of speed up the process. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much everything wow. having to do with with designing them and the materials and. Certainly painting all of them I did and anything that had exterior, you know, add-ons, I, I had done that all myself. I set up the outdoor shower systems, the bathtub systems, um, anything having to do with uh, interior design, anything having to do with graphic design at, from my background, right? So anything has to do with marketing or design, I, I try to do it all. Wow. Jeez, that's that's overwhelming, man. I'm, I'm just like <laughs> exhausted listening to you. That's That's a lot of stuff. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So, okay, so you, you get these structures up and running. You've got four now, uh, a fifth on the way. What, a lot of folks had this like big, like, you know, boom during during COVID and like oh, there was all this invest, investment in sort of like outside, uh, more experiential stays. We've had a lot of people on this podcast who've built like really cool experience, experiential stays as well. What have you learned about like, 
glamping as as sort of like a category of hospitality. Like when you when you think about the business of glamping, what are what are what are things that are going really well, and then what are what are things that are that are hard? Because to your to your point. We've seen this this sort of sector explode, right? I, I recently was talking to somebody. I was looking at their quote unquote glamping structures, right? And their you know average daily rates for these glamping structures are like 500, 600 bucks a night, right? And it's like a nice like safari like tent kind of thing, and it, it, it's a very simple accommodation, but it's filled with you know really quote unquote luxurious amenities. And so you can have glamping that's six hundred bucks to a thousand bucks a night, right? And then you can have glamping. Then you can have camping, which is like somebody you know renting a spot on your property for fifteen, twenty bucks a night. And you know you can have what you've done with these with these like structures. You can have tiny homes and like this whole all of these things can be considered quote unquote glamping. So like, what have you learned about this this sector of hospitality? What's great about it, and and what if anything is is difficult about it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the the main appeal, and not to get distracted with all the shiny objects, like you say, these five hundred, six hundred dollar options that have uh, I don't know gold bathtubs and, <laughs> and running hot water and all this stuff. But like looking at it from my perspective, coming up here as a kid, the whole point of coming here to the Catskills was just to get out of the city for yeah. a short break to relieve all the stresses of your week of work or school or whatever it was. Yeah, and it was just to come to nature. So to me. No matter what kind of structures you have, whether they're simple or very extravagant, it's really about still camping, yeah. but in a more comfortable manner. So as long as people aren't sleeping on on the ground in sleeping bags, yeah. they're comfortable and they're going to enjoy themselves. I think more than camping, yeah. especially if they're not. That's not part of their you know their their normal hobbies. Yeah. So when I look back at what I did. And I thought I kind of made this mistake too after my first structure because my first structure was was very rough. It was it was actually supposed to be a greenhouse originally, but then I turned it into this cabin to be the the sun barn, and it's all made with rough cut lumber. It was all put together like with scrap pieces of wood here and there. And then after that, I thought, oh, I got to really, you know, I really got to capitalize on this on this trend where everything is luxurious and yeah. top notch. So my next two structures I built, these are the ones where I had help, where I brought in contractors yeah. to build me proper tiny houses yeah. that, that were insulated and, and super comfortable. Spent a lot of money on it, thinking I was going to rent these out for more than my original sun barn. Yeah. And I learned pretty quickly that wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> I Four years after, my rinky-dink, funny-looking cabin sun barn is the most popular still. Wow. I get the highest uh, nightly rates for it. Wow! And my, my even my A-frame, which I put a lot of money in and made very sleek and and everything, it, it it doesn't do as well as as my funny quirky sun barn. Why do Why do you so, think that is though? Like yeah. I, I'm curious about like what is it about the sun barn that you think is the reason for this? Probably has something to do with just just it's it's definitely one of a kind. Hmm. You would not see this structure really anywhere else <laughs> it just it just is it's almost sometimes i refer to it as like the the hut that on gilligan's island that that, that they created you know <laughs> they just built it with whatever was lying around it's so simple um and because it was originally supposed to be a greenhouse it has so many windows hmm. so when you're inside it, it really 
you almost feel like you're outside still. It's a very open space. And I don't know. I guess it's just uh, it, it's not really classified as anything. Like it's not really an A-frame. It's not yeah. a tiny house. It's not even really a barn. It, it's really that's the closest what it looks like to me. So that's why that's the category. Yeah. But it's just this weird kind of structure that's just quirky. And I don't know. People just that's what they like. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like really funny because like I, I do think. I mean, one of one, one of a kind, right, is 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 certainly like the rage today. And I do think that, that you know, there, there's reason for that, right? When I think about like my own experience as a traveler and what I like to do is I, I like to go stay in really unique spaces and, and almost like check it off like my bucket list, right? Like, oh, I've stayed in like, you know, the sun barn or I've stayed in like this particular A-frame or whatever. So I, I definitely think that the uniqueness appeals to a certain segment of travelers. But what is really interesting is like the fact that that's your your most popular unit, and and I think sometimes we overcomplicate it where we think, hey, we've got to build this ridiculous airframe, or you know we've got to you know build this ridiculous dome or whatever it might be, and there there I think is probably based off of what you've just shared with us a segment of travelers that really just wants a, an affordable like glamping experience that they don't need all the bells and whistles like that's actually not what they want right they they have they maybe they have all the bells and whistles at home and they, and, they, and they're trying to like come in and immerse themselves in a totally different context and it, it, i wonder too if if sometimes we take glamping too far and it becomes too luxurious that it almost defeats like the purpose that people initially wanted the people wanted to be out in neighbor in nature and like rough it a little bit maybe they didn't want to sleep on the floor and you know sleep on on like a bed of rocks or soil or something like that so so i wonder i wonder if maybe we've gone a little bit too far with with where we've taken some of these units and, and some aspects of this category and i wonder if maybe the sun barn is like a testament to that yeah i i totally agree and in in this area especially outside of new york there's been a lot of investments in in these up and coming glam sites some with safari tents but some all right they may be safari tents but then they have like this uh main hall building where you can then go and like eat at their restaurant yeah. and then you can go in there and their uh jacuzzi room and get a massage and and i was watching some some you know some local people some clients just went and did a, a video vlog of it themselves. And I'm like, this basically is like being in in the Hilton in Manhattan. Yeah. Just when you look out your window, you see a lot more trees. Like there's no difference. <laughs> Everything in their bathroom is modern and like stainless steel, all these appliances. So yeah, that's definitely going the wrong direction, I think, as far as what glamping is supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, or like I said, it, or there, or yeah, sorry, I was just gonna say, or like there, there are just multiple audiences here, right? Like there are the people that they want. It, it's almost like a plastic nature experience, right? Where it's like, right. I, I want to be in the wild, but like with a charger for my phone, and don't don't want to give up like you know the house slippers or or the jacuzzi bath, right? Like like there's certainly a segment of travelers that want that, but but I think to your to to your point, and what I hope our audience takes away from this too is like. I think that there's still a lot of people that really want a simple travel experience where they get to go away, immerse themselves in a totally different context, something that actually might make them like might 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 like push them a little bit to be in like a different kind of context. Like maybe you do really hear nature outside 
and that's a good thing and like maybe 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 like you hear a wolf in the distance or whatever whatever it might be like and maybe some people are actually seeking that truly authentic experience as opposed to a more placated clamping experience that's that's a that's a great point and i think um what you just said about like hearing the sounds of nature uh, um which there is plenty of that where i am because like i said we're we're a very rural area so there's lots of nature here and the sun barn, which isn't built like a tiny house, so there is no insulation. So, yeah, it is more susceptible to the temperature fluctuations. It's the only one that has a traditional wood burning stove. But um, I've had people, I had a couple of guests who stayed in, in both buildings. I forget what the reason was. They decided to extend their stay. And so they went from like the sun barn to one of the tiny houses. Okay. And then I asked them the next day, I said, oh, what was the difference, you know? And she was like, oh, the, the difference is that like in the sunborn during the night, you could hear everything that was going on outside, whether it was the owls hooting or the the frogs, you know, croaking. Yeah. And, and and when we were in the other house, it was just like being in a house. So we, you know, it was quiet. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I guess that does exactly what you said. So yeah. To really be immersed in it, just not having to be, you know, rained on in case it rains. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the amenities that, that you guys offer because I was uh, bouncing around on, on your, your website, social media, just through the different articles that have been written out, written about what you guys are doing. And um, you guys, you guys have some like cool amenities that you that you offer to guests. I think you guys do something with like, um, um, uh, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? Essential oils or or something like that. Like, well, wh where did that idea come from? And and can you just talk to us a little bit about what that's been like? Yeah, that's um, my wife Elena. She is a aromatherapist, uh, cosmetic formulator, and general wellness coach. Wow! And this was her profession back in Ukraine that she started when she was very young. She got involved in essential oils and the healing powers of them, and then did, didn't want to have, have anything to do with you know synthetic products, including perfumes. Hmm. So then she started making perfumes out of pure essential oils. And she made that into a really successful business back in Ukraine. And so when she came over, you know, she stuck with it. And we started to rebuild her 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 company for the American market. Wow. And a few years back, 
Airbnb, they were really pushing their experiences. Yeah. So you could do Airbnb experiences. So we had put her perfume making session on that. And that was doing really, really well. And so we were able to offer that to our guests while they were here. Um, so some of them took up that option. And so she was able to, we, we invite them up to our, our house on our, our main deck and design uh, natural perfumes with the Catskill Mountains as the backdrop. Wow. And that went really well. But unfortunately, two things happened that that kind of put a damper on that was one, when the COVID hit, then um, that particular experience wasn't so sought yeah. after because yeah. <laughs> no one really wanted to go anywhere and be sniffing things yeah. with strangers. <laughs> so that and actually Airbnb, from what I understand, they're kind of phasing out the the experience part. Yeah. Hmm. I guess it just didn't meet up to their expectations with their revenue and it was too hard to manage. So because we had tried to do a, a new one, we were going to do like a honey tasting mm. and it just said we're not accepting new applications for that so yeah um yeah. It's, it's starting to rebound and we're just you know promoting that in different places but that was one of the the cooler things that we had is like an extra yeah amenity i i love i love it like the 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 perfume making and like the essential oil like uh crafting process talk i mean talk about like a a, a super cool amenity that you know you, you don't really experience out elsewhere but they that is like very on brand too right of like Hey, you know, being connected to nature, being, uh, you know, connected to wellness. Um, I, I, I love it. And I, I don't know that everyone could replicate that because we're not all aromatherapists, but it's it's a unique value that you guys can offer to guests, which I think is uh, is fantastic. I, I have a couple couple final questions for you, Stephen. One is around you, you've recently been investing in in some content and, and, and wanting to sort of like build up content on YouTube and uh, content on Instagram, sort of positioning yourself as, as the glamp man, which I which I love. I love the uh, the way that you've like packaged this. Um, and and I just want to hear a little bit about what you hope to do with your content. And as you as you build this audience, like what what is your core objective with with producing this content? Well, sure. Well, back in the early days of me starting with glamping, of course, I turned to YouTube to just learn more about it and see what other people were doing. And then from watching people who were already involved in the space a lot longer than I were, you know, I was learning valuable information and valuable tips and strategies and learning more about, say, the Airbnb platform. So that all helped me uh, tremendously as far as, as being successful and, and going forward. Um, so now that I've been doing it a while and since technically I, I do have a long uh, history in, in the travel space. So I I can certainly now offer others who are starting out yeah. um, general advice and, um, and specifically with me, because so much of what I do, I end up doing myself. You yeah. know, like I said, I built most of the cabins myself and manage them myself. So a lot of my, um, videos are sort of like the DIY, how yeah. others can, you know, build a simple cabin if they have property or are thinking of it. Um, the newest, uh, cabin is not actually going to be a cabin. The fifth one is going to be a tiny house on wheels. Wow. So that's a first for me. So that, that construction has already started. I think, yeah, I have one video up now that shows the initial groundbreaking, let's say of, of that process. And, um, and I wanted to make it entertaining. You know, a lot of the videos and people out there who do this are more or less talking heads. And, yeah. you know, that's fine just to get the information. But, you know, what am I going to do 
to stand out and be different and be a little bit more memorable. So I thought, well, I'm just going to fly and do, you know, kind of pick up where I, I started, which was back in 1998. The whole reason this kind of got kicked off was me dressing up as some fun character. So <laughs> if you go to my channel, which you can find on YouTube called The Glant Man, you'll see me sometimes. And then you'll see me as other mm, iconic, usually 80s type characters <laughs> giving advice about glamping and building structures. And um, every now and then we'll do sort of just complete parodies just to, to break things up a bit. And sometimes we'll do really serious stuff and I'll show you how to build a tiny house on wheels from scratch. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You're, you're fantastically interesting. Um, this is, this is wonderful. Uh, and of course we'll have links to, uh, the Glamp Man channel in the show notes below. So if you want to go check it out, folks, be sure to be sure to scroll down and, and, and subscribe. Uh, uh another question I have for you as, as we, as we wrap here, Stephen, is just as you, as you think about like other channels, uh, I'm always, I'm always interested in, your thought uh, and people who are in the glamping spaces thoughts on like hip camp and like other like related OTAs like how, how are you guys on hip camp at all and and if so like how what percentage of your bookings come from like a, a hip camp type OTA um I did sign up with with hip camp uh glamping hub glamping hub, um yeah. and I think they're just I think they're just too small. They're just overshadowed by the the mega players. Yeah, it's very even though they're more focused on you know exactly our niche. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're big enough to make an impact. Yeah. So, and I've heard this from other other people who who do glamping. You know, it, it might be one to a couple bookings a season, if that. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, um, but you know, there's room to grow. The space is just getting bigger. And, you know, we didn't really get into it right in this talk, but the big players like Airbnb, there's a lot of things that they do that us hosts don't like and don't agree with. And it just seems each year there's more and more friction. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that other players do come and and kind of kind of get some of that market share just because I think it will it will help hosts out a lot. Yeah. Because one of the big problems I think this this season with with people refer to as the the Airbnb bust is that so many people really just rely on that platform and if something goes wrong with that platform or the the or you get kicked off or there's just a much higher um uh supply um, demand than much higher supply, supply and yeah. demand yeah. a lot of hosts including me i think this summer kind of suffered a bit so yeah to have other platforms or other you know ways of of standing out or being known um even something as simple as you know say my youtube channel yeah hopefully people will find that and who maybe aren't just necessarily looking to to do glamping as a business but who want to experience like oh that guy's pretty funny let's his place looks nice let's let's check yeah. him out <laughs> um and others you know do well on instagram so you know more power to them and as many other platforms i think that hosts can can be on and and spread the 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 news about what they offer the better yeah yeah and i think what we also bring up uh, just to kind of riff off of your point around an oversupply right as airbnb continues to invest more in like these categories of like these like unique stays and as as the glamping sector as a whole just like increases right when when you are on when you are competing uh for, for rankings right within a particular category on a particular ota 
it's just a lot it's just going to be harder to compete right in a in a competitive spot when somebody's looking for a glamping like stay as people as institutional capital for instance comes in and like builds out these glamping resorts and then they go and list everything on airbnb like those are the first things that are they're probably just going to rank better quite frankly like you know it's it's just going to be harder to rank and, and and sort of out and, and sort of compete with these with these folks whereas as other more like new niche kind of like boutique otas and other offerings emerge i think those if you can get in early with those you, you have a better chance at building up you know the the credibility, if you will, the ranking authority and power so that as other players emerge, you still can kind of hold on to a, a coveted top spot. But but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. This this uh, sector is so dynamic and there's a lot happening in it. I think it's very, very exciting. And I get excited for about people like you, Stephen, who are building out content, building out resources and, and building out a, a brand for yourself uh, and, and, and you know, hopefully a, a, a cultivating an audience that will not just be interested in your content, but also be prospective guests uh, at, at, at one of your great properties. Um, my final question for you is just any hot takes uh, or, or strong opinions uh, that you might have about, about the future of travel and hospitality? Well, I see the the future, especially relating to say short term rentals, Airbnb, and, and glamping. I think it's going to continue, but yeah. I think it's going to continue to get more um, broken down into smaller and smaller categories. Hmm. So, like when glamping first came out, it was it was you know glamping in something like nice luxurious safari tents. Yeah, and then. And then it came out to be all these other categories, you know, um, uh, bar- farm stays and 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 domes and A-frames yeah. and OMGs. <laughs> and I think, like with everything, even if you look at it with um, with video and streaming, you know, everything is being broken down into smaller and smaller niches yeah. because the population is expanding, all of our interests are expanding, and it's all getting zeroed down smaller and smaller. So I, I was kind of thinking about this in the last few days of how, if we're really going to look what maybe might be the future of the trend. So I'm kind of seeing or hoping maybe that what would happen is that say people want to, you know, do glamping. Yeah. Um, they may go to some place and say, I want to do glamping, but I want to do glamping. That's going to have these specific things. And maybe like even the host is has these specific interests sort of like what airbnb sort of came out with now where um now they sort of give like a little resume of 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 the guest of the host yeah especially when they want to get get back to like renting rooms so to people feel more comfortable with uh the people that they're going to be staying with yeah so because like when my experience you know sometimes guests show up and you you like hit it off right off right off the bat they invite you to come to their you know where they are and oh yeah. we're going to be cooking up some some burgers and stuff come over say hello we'll have some drinks yeah and that's really cool and that that's kind of like what what made airbnb kind of really fun in the beginning yeah and so i think maybe the future is going to be more specialized experiences that are even more like bespoke to the type of personality that you are and yeah. the type of personality or vibe you want the place that you're going to have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I, if that makes sense. No, that's sort of, it makes a ton of sense. And, and, and I think like, no, 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 I think that that's what like, you know, all these generative AI tools that are popping up are, are going to help make that easier, right? Like you are going to be able to go to a place and basically write out all of your preferences in some sort of like prompt 
and that's going to generate a group of listings that match that prompt. I want to stay with a host that you know, likes this kind of bourbon and wants to come and sit by the fireplace uh, and, and have, have a drink. I also want the state to be like X, Y, and Z. We're, we're, we're really not that far from <laughs> that being able to be a reality, right? And, that, and that's serving up a specially, highly, highly, highly curated offering uh, that, that matches your criteria. So yeah, it, it's really just a matter of like when, not, not if. And I, I get excited about things like this because ultimately, as there are more and more and more and more places to stay and more and more options, we're all just inundated with choice. And it's, it is overwhelming. I mean, like, that's, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do at Spontaneous is like help make choice easier by like curating stuff for people, right? Like the curation economy is really strong right now. And mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's only going to get stronger with these, with these AI tools because there is, too much information there's too much choice it's overwhelming right and um i think what you said is spot on things are going to get smaller they're they're going to get even more niche they're going to get even more personalized agreed <laughs> <laughs> uh well steven this has been a, a joy i'm super thankful for you and your story and that you're in this space creating and innovating. Uh, if folks do want to reach out and they want to learn a little bit more about you uh, and or check out some of your 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 YouTube content, we'll of course have uh, links to your YouTube and links to your, uh, your listings in the show notes below. But anywhere else you'd want to send folks to if they want to reach out? Um, well, like I mentioned, and uh, the YouTube, you can find me at The Glant Man. We have an Instagram, uh, which is at the sun barns and if anyone is interested in the best essential oil and cosmetic products you can check out my wife's uh etsy store at her name which is elenapelicano.com wonderful and we will have all those links in the show notes below so you guys don't even have to remember them but steven thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure thanks so much zach really had fun today thanks Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.